The Greggs. Ooh, a fresh baked smell. Welcome to paradise. The bakery chain, Greggs, is one of the highest grossing food-to-go retailers in the UK. In 2018, the company made its first billion. It has 2,280 stores and employs more than 20,000 staff. And this country is in love with Greggs. In 2021, the polling company YouGov found that 71% of people in Britain thought positively about Greggs, compared to 57% who like McDonald's and 56% who like Subway. In fact, more sausage rolls are sold in the UK than Big Macs, with 3 million being eaten every week. So, if you can define a nation by what it eats, England, and the UK more broadly, might best be defined by a Greg's sausage roll. That was the sound of Lab Baby's 2018 Christmas number one song, We Built This City on Sausage Rolls. And this is a story of how a bakery chain from the northeast of England won over hearts and stomachs across the UK, and why. It's an episode about what the immense success and popularity of Greg's says about who we are. I'm Lewis Bassett, and you're listening to the Full English Podcast. Mixing and sound design is as ever from Forest DLG. I recently visited Newcastle, the home of Greggs, the place where it all began, and which is still a kind of Greggs mecca. In fact, per head of population, there are more Greggs in Newcastle than any other city in the UK. There are 31 Greggs stores in Newcastle, with so many in the city centre that you can walk from one to the other in two minutes. It just so happens that I was in Newcastle shortly after Primark had launched a new line in Greggs branded clothing. And so to check it out, I went to the Primark store on Northumberland Street. And there it was, right as you enter, a sprawl of Greg's branded sportswear, hoodies, socks and sliders. Trying on Greg's branded hats and bum bags were a group of young women. I hadn't actually come to Newcastle to make this episode. But seeing them, I decided there and then that I had to. So I got on my recorder and I spoke to them. Sorry, guys, I'm making a podcast all about Greg's. Could I ask your views about Greg's? You all seem pretty keen. What, why, why are you here buying this stuff? Anyone, anyone. Sausage rolls are inspirational. I like to experience the flavour of Greg's. You guys are young, and like, is this a cool thing to wear? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit fun. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's really yeah. trendy. Yeah. I think that like just everyone loves Greg's. Yeah. That day in Newcastle, I also met groups of lads wearing Greg's hoodies and bucket hats, office workers queuing for a steak bake or a sandwich, a retired woman buying scones for her husband, men in hard hats and fluorescent bibs grabbing bacon sandwiches, and hungover students sipping Greg's coffee and eating sausage rolls. Everyone in Newcastle seemed to be buying Greggs. But this love of Greggs isn't confined to the Northeast. When I when I first started doing a passy, I was like, right, I need to do a number that like reflects something really stupid and British. And then I was like, 
oh my God, I'll do a burlesque number, but it's the vegan sausage roll. This is Jake Grover, known in drag as Pasty. Last year, a clip of Pasty's performance, in which she dresses up as a Greg sausage roll, went viral. So I made a duvet, got the Greg's logos printed, did that, and then I just bought like a, literally like a £10 sausage roll costume, and I just put it on, did a gig, and the number is basically, it starts with like, Piers Morgan being a knob, being like, oh, vegan sausage rolls, they stink, blah, blah, blah. So I do the, the bag drop to the moment, and then when I'm the sausage roll, it usually gets a scream, which is really, really good fun. But it's like a number that I get booked for now. Like, I, I, I fully get booked and people will be like, can you do the sausage roll? I probably performed it about, like, at least 60 times. It's insane. So how did a high street baker's go from selling cheap bread and pasties to becoming a highly lucrative British firm with a cult-like following? Why do people in England wear Greg's bucket hats and scream and applaud when they see a drag act dressed as a Greg sausage roll? What does our love of Greg's all mean? Our story starts with Greg's earliest beginnings. It started in uh, in the kind of late 19th century, in 1891, originally as a kind of uh, bicycle business, uh, delivering yeast and eggs. It was William Greg and his son George. This is Ed Cumming, senior feature writer at The Telegraph, who has written two brilliant articles on Greg's, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. Um, and they did that for ages and ages. You know, one of the things about Greg's I think is quite interesting is that have this very slow growth for, for really 100, 100 plus years. Um, because they opened the first shop in Gosforth in 1951, but then the second wasn't for another 15 years after that. Under the leadership of John Gregg, Gregg's expanded through acquiring failing bakeries in other cities and turning them around. The first acquisitions were in Glasgow, followed by Manchester, Leeds, the Midlands, and eventually London and the rest of the UK. So it was 10 years after its first acquisitions, Greg's turnover had kind of leapt from 100 grand a year to over five million pounds a year. So that was just kind of a big, big increase. And then its first million pound profit was in 1982, but it wasn't an overnight success by any means. They'd slowly acquired all of these other businesses over the years. And then in 2008, they rebranded them all as Greg's. So I think that's probably when it became like very popular People became aware of it. And then, and then, you know, and the real explosion was the past decade where got this CEO, Roger Whiteside, who came in and his mandate was to, to just, to, you know, to change it from the bakery at home business, which was continually being eaten by the supermarkets and move that much more to a kind of food to go business. I couldn't tell you when the last time I went into Greg's was, but I do pop in occasionally because I have a bit of a penchant for a sausage roll. This is Sam White director of Bakery Business magazine. So Roger Whiteside took over in 2013, which was at a point that Greg's was exponentially losing its foothold in in its main market, which was bread and baked goods to the supermarkets. Equally, they were being branded unhealthy. They were accused of fueling the the obesity crisis. So they really needed to to look at their strategy and, and work out what they were going to do. So it was at that point that Roger decided to lay out a five-year plan and move away from the sort of jack-of-all-trades where they were trying to be, you know, bakers, sell bread, they were food-to-go, they were convenience, and basically stick to the food-to-go market. By all accounts, Roger's leadership was transformational. This is Kate McGee, editor of Management Today. You could say the company was at a crossroads. It was still profitable, but growth had stalled. 
Um, and it was seen as slightly down at the heels or bakery chain that was well-liked in the north, but it was very much a regional brand. Kate's magazine, Management Today, interviewed Whiteside on several occasions. He told them that before he took over, Greg's was trying to compete on three fronts. It had its traditional bakery business, but it also entered the growing food-to-go market and was trying to get into coffee as well. After an audit, Whiteside discovered that 80% of sales were in food on the go. And with that, he decided to leave bread to the supermarkets and focus on slinging pasties, coffee and sandwiches. He simplified the business effectively. And I think at the time, people were concerned that this wouldn't work. But, you know, he saw a gap in the market and, and decided that that was the way they needed to move. So they stopped selling bread, they stopped selling, you know, bakery products per se and really focused on, on the, the grab-and-go, the food-to-go. And that's quite a risky strategy because that obviously there were lots of customers there that were used to kind of going there regularly and getting their bakery items. Suddenly that wasn't, they weren't going to provide that anymore for them. Um, but it's been a hugely successful one. In narrowing Greg's focus from a high street bakery selling bread to becoming a leading food-on-the-go retailer, Roger Whiteside drew on his experience at Marks & Spencer, where he'd once pioneered the retailing of takeaway sandwiches. Before Whiteside's time at M&S in the mid-1980s, the idea that there was a market out there for pre-made packaged sandwiches was basically unthinkable. Mass-producing a meal that you could, if necessary, rip open and consume in the street was transforming people's behaviour. Whiteside was convinced that the future would belong to whoever was selling on every corner. During the 1990s, the sandwich industry trebled in size. By the end of the 20th century, more people in Britain were making and selling sandwiches than working in agriculture. That was a clip from an audio version of a Guardian long read about packaged sandwiches, read by the author, Sam Knight. Since he took over, Greg's share price has risen from £4.70 to more than £31 when he announced his retirement. So he took a risk, but it worked. The biggest ever spike in Greg's share price came in January 2019 as a consequence of a single product that was neither steak, nor pork, nor cheese, but was in fact vegan. You listen to the advert for the launch of Greg's vegan sausage roll. The ad is meant to evoke that of an iPhone. Pale pastry floats on a dark background as text highlights the product's dimensions in terms of number of layers and the total length, informing us that this is the next generation of sausage roll technology. They had a huge campaign. I think they blacked out all the windows on all of the shops. They'd, they'd been, had a massive build-up to the launch of the vegan sausage roll. And there was a lot of hype around it. All the journalists were aware that something big was going to happen. And then the next day, their landing on desks was the vegan sausage roll, which was wrapped in, the, in an iPhone wrapping, effectively. It was genius. The vegan sausage roll found its way to the professional contrarian, Pierce Morgan who tried it and spat it out on live TV. I mean, they just stink, right, no, for one. they're delicious. Right? They're delicious, actually. Because they've got the same seasoning. Mm, God. I like them. They've got nice crisp oh. pastry. Yeah. The vegetarian sausage is nicely flavoured. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a good look, Piers. Oh, my God. I would eat Why that. Why would anyone eat mm. this? But eat it, we did. In fact, the product couldn't have had a better launch. Whiteside told management today that Pierce Morgan massively improved the popularity of the product. Huge queues formed outside Greg's, and vegan sausage rolls were sold out across the UK. The company couldn't produce them fast enough, and Greg's share price went
went through the roof. In theory, we differentiate between owned, earned and um, bought communication. This is Professor Sabine Benoit. She's explaining to me how Greg's a master's of what marketing academics call earned communication. So owned is your own website, for example, and your own posters in the store and so forth. Bought is when you basically buy an advertisement on TV or something like this. Earned is when actual customers, you've, you've earned your communication in them posting something or, or retweeting or uh, whatever it might be. And Greg's really tries to, to tap into this earned category a lot by doing, you know, they have these Valentine's Day initiatives and they, they have all sorts of initiatives where they're clearly targeted at people or aiming customers to talk about them. And that's less controllable. So you might have, and we, we saw with the baby Jesus, I don't know whether you remember that one. For Christmas 2017, Greg's released an advent calendar, which included a nativity scene in which baby Jesus was replaced by a sausage roll. A lot of people felt offended by, by, by this. Um, so this earned communication is, is, is less controllable, but in the end, it's, it's more effective. Because if your friends say on, on social media, oh, Greg's was so cool, it's usually more credible if it, as if a Greg employee says, oh, Greg's is so cool. What should they say, right? And that's, I think that's, that's the success of their, of their marketing uh, in, in trying to engage customers in, into stories and, and tapping into this earned communication. Essentially, Greg's has found a way to get into our stomachs by getting into our heads. And the launch of the vegan sausage roll was the pinnacle of that. Hello, you're listening to the full English with me, Pasty. Not Patsy, not Pasty, however, very tasty. Making this show takes time and money. If you like it, then please just give it a share. Send it to someone on WhatsApp or email. Put it on your socials. And if you want to support the show, then give us £3 a month over on patreon.com forward slash full English. We're cheaper than chips and way more nourishing. Over the past 10 years, Greg's has expanded not only in our high streets, but in almost all the corners of our cities and towns in motorway service stations, train platforms, and retail parks. The company's principle isn't if you build it and bake it, the customer will come. Instead, Greg's has come to you, wherever you happen to be. So that's how Greg's has become the retailing giant it is today. But the thing that's puzzled me most is why Greg's is so popular. Why sausage rolls and not something else? This is management today's Kate McGee again. Greg's is increasing at a Lidl or Aldi to premium rivals like Pret and Leon. And as those discounters have discovered, in a market where consumer confidence is ebbing as economic growth slows, the message that you can save money without sacrificing quality is a powerful one. And it also positions itself as um, a place for savvy customers. It's no nonsense. You're not going to get fancy things, but you're going to get good quality value basics. Um, so it sticks to the basics and does them well. And I think lots of people like the kind of clarity of message that it provides. Price is a major factor. But it can't be the only one. There are cultural trends here at work as well, ones that tell us a lot about the kind of society we live in. Culturally, Britain is, I would say, in between continental Europe and, and the US. According to Sabine, the marketing professor who we heard from earlier, 
food on the go has been one of the fastest growing retail markets outside of the pandemic. And the UK has one of the largest food on the go markets in Europe, worth over £20 billion, and with three in ten of us getting food on the go each week. So in the US, I would say that they're way even further ahead. I wouldn't say in, in terms of quality, but in terms of accepting that you would just sort of eat on the go and, and have a coffee. And if you look at cars, for example, in the US, they were much, much quicker in, in putting uh, cup holders in cars, whereas you can probably hear I'm, I'm German. That was something that the German car industry said, no, you know, who would want to sit in their car and have a coffee? So, so I would say culturally, Britain is somewhere in between when it comes to sort of food consumption because it's it's a modern uh, society that has much more mobility, uh, more commuting, and uh, more females in the workforce. All these aspects uh, play a role here. And then, of course, it's not only driven by the consumers. When the when the retailers have the right offer. It's then, of course, triggers that kind of behavior. So it's from both sides, consumer behavior and the offer. And if that fits together, uh, such a market has the opportunity to, to grow. Sabine pointed out to me that one important trend that explains the rise of food to go is that our society is quickening pace, meaning that for most meals, we have less and less time to eat. I read a study the other day where they measured how quickly people walk around stations. So you can see that over the past 20, 30 years, people have started moving much more quickly. That is, of course, another driver for, for not you know, sitting at the breakfast table and having, having a coffee and, and having your breakfast at home, but just sort of grabbing it on the way to work or taking it to work or something like this. So time pressure is another, another issue that comes into play here. Along with price and convenience, the popularity of Greg's is also filtered through our ideas around class. And this is something that Greg's knows all too well. In 2018, Greg's launched another viral marketing campaign, which promoted their low-calorie summer options by offering them out to discerning eaters at a foodie festival. This they did undercover, using the slightly snobby-sounding brand name of Gregory and Gregory. Greg's new summer range on some of Britain's most discerning palates. The avocado is so au fait at the moment. Definitely pops. What's Gregory and Gregory? It's like sushi in a bowl. You can taste the herbs, can't you? Mm, very nice. Very well balanced. Really, really lovely texture to it. Mm, refreshing nice. in the mouth. Lovely flavours inside. It's got a nice vinaigrette kick, which I like. That's got a real zing to it. Mm. Oh, yum. Where is it sold? So who are you guys? Greg's. We're actually Greg's. Is it? <laughs> wow. Greg's. No way. Greg's. No, it's not. Greg's. Wow. The Gregory and Gregory ad appears to show the way in which class bias obscures our perception of quality. It suggests that if only middle class foodies weren't so far up their arse, they'd be able to see that the offerings at Greg's are just as good as the nonsense served at their snobby food festivals. The point of the ad is not only to entice a more discerning customer into Greg's, but also to make those who already go there feel both authentically not posh and clever. This is The Telegraph's Ed Cumming. Greg's ought to be extremely uncool things to eat, right? It's like the antithesis of everything we're taught today about 
you know, health and, and uh, processing and, you know, I guess locality and, you know, all the, all the foodie buzzwords go out the window uh, when people think about Greg's. Um, and I think they, they've done that by just being sort of so committed to this like, unpretentiousness, I think. Yeah, it's like we're, well, we're just the honest, we're the honest sausage roll men, you know, we're the honest pasty, pasty guys. You forget all your fancy food, you come here and get a good fill. And that's, you know, it obviously works for them. But I think it's a mistake not to think that as every bit as uh, deliberate and well-planned a marketing strategy as, as any other. In fact, what Greg's marketing strategy shows us is that it could not exist without a very specific social environment. From our fast-paced society to the widespread existence of low wages, as well as our ideas around food and class. Or at least, not the Greggs we know today, the one that serves cheap fast food with a cheeky northern accent. In particular, it's our ideas concerning social class that gives the brand and its flagship product, the sausage roll, its distinct appeal. The Greggs we know and love is a product of a world in which everything you eat is seen as a marker of your social status either to affirm with pride your sense of self as one of the authentic, salt-of-the-earth people of England and Britain, or else as a middle-class or upper-class person committing an act of playful, ironic transgression, much like rich people shopping for bargains at Lidl and Audi. This social context, the way in which we understand food in class terms in the UK, explains why Greg's has not successfully expanded into Europe. In 2003, Greggs opened a handful of stores in Belgium, but this expansion failed, and Greggs retreated back across the channel five years later. Greggs's failed European expansion also underlines an ambient sense among foodies like myself that a sausage roll is in some way an inferior national dish, one we're not surprised to see rejected on the continent. Surely, we shouldn't feel too proud of that. But of course, just like those duped by the Gregory and Gregory stunt, that view is just my cultural bias. At the same time, a Greg's sausage roll is objectively a very cheap food item, and food on the go is, to my mind at least, a symptom of our rushed and anxious lifestyles. So I think what the popularity of Greg's shows us is how British people learn to take pleasure in the everyday, the familiar and the banal, no matter how challenging our circumstances are. We might be captive to conditions like low pay, class divisions, and high-paced and anxious lives, but, crucially, we find ways to love this context and the things that it produces, like Greg's. Because, for its target market, both today and in the past, it's undignified to say that what we eat is only determined by a low price. Even if it's all we can afford, or all that's available, we've learned to love Greg's, to cherish it, to promote it, and sometimes become fans of it. It's a way of making what could be a difficult situation much more joyful. And that's something which, if not deeply human, is certainly deeply British. Greg's, then, is a product of our context, and it's become the object of a joyful conservatism, a cheerful acceptance of the world that defines us. Or as one teenager in Newcastle told me, we love Greg's, because it's who we are. Greg's, he said, is a way of life. That's it for this episode. Please remember to share the show. We've got new episodes coming soon, 
on whether high food prices still make us angry, on how Weatherspoons conquered our cities and towns, as well as tons of interviews planned. This show is made by me, Lewis Bassett. Mixing and sound design comes from Forest DLG. A massive thank you to all of our guests. Special thanks to Ed Cumming and to the wonderful people of Newcastle. Find out more about our guests in the show notes. And thank you for listening. Thank you.